0: You can ask them questions, you can put, you can make it a, a movement break where you put posters on the wall. Maybe you have four posters and a poster says, uh, what do you need from your peers to be successful? What do you need from yourself to be successful? What do you need from your family? That's one I didn't ever have before that I'm gonna add now.
1: Our topic today is connecting students and building classroom community to Accelerate Learning, and we will be joined again with our special guest, Danielle Reyes. Tech Talk for Teachers is brought to you by Avid.org. Avid believes every student needs a community of support to learn and thrive. To learn more about Avid, visit their website at Avid.org. Welcome to Tech Talk for Teachers, the podcast where teachers discuss how technology And teaching best practices can positively transform education to create equitable classrooms for future-ready learners. I'm Rena Clark.
2: I'm Paul Beckerman. And I'm Winston Benjamin. We are educators. And we're here to
3: share actionable teaching strategies you can implement into your classroom.
1: Our quote today comes from John Lewis. What I tried to tell young people is that if you come together with a mission and it's grounded with love and a sense of community, you can make the impossible possible. So why don't we have Paul start off with a a response to that quote?
3: It really reminds me of the awesome power of community. It can, it can make what seems impossible possible just because of that community. It also reminds me of a quote we've used on the show in the past that learning happens at the speed of trust and really, in fact, almost everything happens at the speed of trust. when we trust the people around us, we feel empowered and we take risks, which really is what growth and, and learning needs um, we it's that forward movement um, we have to feel like it's okay to put ourselves out there to risk failure. If we have a supportive community around us, we're much more apt to do that. It's kind of like I used to tell my swimmers when I coached that you need to be more excited by the chance of success then you are afraid of the chance of failure
1: kind of reminds me of what Pam used to say. You need to slow down to go faster.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. What about you, Winston? The thing that sticks out for me is the word mission. And like, I get it. Communities can get together. We can all, but if there's not a purpose to the action, right, there's it's useless. And I, and I also think that young people's mission are a little different than adults. So how do we as adults allow them the space to be possible? Because what we have known is always impossible. So how do we get out of students' ways to allow them to build those new communities to be able to push for a future, right? Because um, we need to sometimes get out of the way as adults.
3: You know, when you were saying that, when you talked about impossible or and, and the mission, it reminds me of another quote, and I can't remember who said it, but it was taking the word impossible and then breaking it into, I am possible.
1: I love the idea of getting out of the way of our students. I was Mm -hmm. was trying to think, is it, I can't remember. It's like a single rubric where you have rubrics for students, but you only actually fill in kind of the middle and students get to decide what a four looks like, or they get to decide what a one looks like. Cause when we don't put a cap on the top end, it's amazing. I've seen students do things that I don't think they would do if they're like, oh, I can just get a four by doing this and this and this on this rubric. But when we don't have that cap on the rubric, it, they usually go beyond and do more. So I love that idea of get it, just getting out of their way. So, so today, we're going to continue our conversation with our special guest, Danielle Reyes. Thanks for having me back. For those of you just joining us, just a quick reminder, Danielle is an eighth grade language arts social studies and avid elective teacher from California. And last week we talked about leveraging what we have learned to reimagine education moving forward. But this week we're going to be discussing how to connect students this school year and really build classroom community relational capacity and do that in order to accelerate learning. So, I believe that the term or idea of building relationships has come up in every single episode of tech talk for teachers. Um, I can't think of one. It hasn't. Um, And numerous times in our one thing or big takeaway at the end of the show it's come up. So, making connections and building community are all about relationships. And today we're going to spend some time really digging deeper and really thinking about some different strategies that we can use this school year. And I think we're going to talk about strategies both with students and staff. So, once again, welcome, Danielle. I'm excited to learn from you today. Thank you for <laughs>
2: being here
3: again.
1: Thanks. Yeah.
0: Thank you. I'm excited to be here. it's perfect
3: that community is a topic because Danielle's becoming part of our podcast community. It's perfect. (laughs) And in the spirit of community, because this is a really important topic, we kind of touched on it last week a little bit. Danielle, why do you think classroom community is so important, especially at the beginning of the year?
0: Beginning of this year, I was was talking to a colleague who teaches seventh grade. She said, you know, Danielle, some of my seventh graders this year have never been on a middle school Mm -hmm. campus. They left fifth grade in March and have been learning online ever since. And I had to stop and like actually think about that because developmentally our students, if whether you're K, 12, that is such a significant period mm-hmm. of time. Yeah, it is. And so to just really pause and realize that and put ourselves in those shoes, whether you remember yourself as a seventh grader or whatever grade you teach, And having that empathy and then realizing that we now, I really feel, have a responsibility to really intentionally more than ever build the classroom community from the start and throughout the year. And more even beyond the classroom, right, the school community so that students are excited, they feel safe, they feel brave, and they want to come there every day because they know their teachers and their classmates are there to help support, guide, and learn Mm -hmm. with them.
2: Uh, I appreciate that. So there's, we had, that's a big picture, like uh, in terms of community. So we wanted to try to dive into specific aspects of classroom community. And we'll start with this this most important um, relationship is a relationship between teacher to student. In the previous um, podcast, you mentioned the ability for students to hit you up with a, I need you now button. Um, are there other strategies that you may have, or you could support? Um, think of helping teachers think through ways to um, build relationship from teacher to student.
0: Yeah, well, this is such a great timing because it's the start of the school year for so many teachers right now. Um, so whether you're in the thick of the first few weeks or you're welcoming your students back, one of the biggest lessons learned over my years is this: it's called meet them at the door. And so that is at the beginning of every day. And if you're a secondary, every period, you know, get up out of your desk, go to the door, open the door and meet your students at that door and give them the eye contact. If you're wearing a mask, they can see your smile in your eyes, right? Um, say their name, pronouncing their name, that will it, will help with your repetition as an educator. Um, with those all those names. So that's something actually my site had as a challenge a few years ago and we've continued to meet them at the door and Not just the first week of school uh, I know educators are really busy and you want to get the attendance But a great strategy is to have something for them to do like a first five as they walk in that's projected So that's a routine that's in place and it's a nice Physical way for you to check in and if you're virtual in the fall one way is allow them into your Zoom or Teams and just say their name, right? Welcome, Winston. Welcome to class, Paul. Hi, Irina. I'm so glad you're here. That was a biggie this last school year. Yeah,
1: there's a lot of power just in saying someone's name, acknowledging them, like you matter. You're here, you matter. So I appreciate that. So then kind of thinking... that's a great strategy for kind of teacher to student, but what are some strategies you might have in that pocket of yours, that deep pocket for student to student? Because as you said, I know I have like a kid who kind of shies away from other kids, but he was not in a classroom with other students engaging in that face-to-face context the whole year. So how can we support that student to student?
0: Yeah, there's a, something I learned through one of the AVID trainings I went to. It's the stages of relational capacity. So there's a safe shaping to stage two is controlled chaos. Stage three is scope and sovereignty. And stage four is group actualization. And so the idea is from one stage all the way to the fourth, it goes from low risk, high comfort activities, right, to lower lower comfort and higher risk, but we have to be mindful of what activities we do the first day and week of school versus what we're ready to do month three or four, right? And because everybody's comfort level is different. We've got our extroverts or introverts, but the last thing we want to do is make a student feel like we're putting them on the spot, you know, at the first, the first weeks of school, Uh, because the goal is to build that empathy and the trust and the support. And we call it the AVID family, right? The AVID elective class. But whether you teach the AVID elective or not, the goal is for our classroom to feel like that family away from home. Um, So one one tip is to give your students buy-in in like a classroom contract, right? So instead of they walk in and I've got my rules posted and I tell them what the rules are, Give them the opportunity to collaborate and create those together. And so you can ask them questions. You can put, you can make it a, a movement break where you put posters on the wall. Maybe you have four posters and a poster says, uh, what do you need from your peers to be successful? What do you need from yourself to be successful? What do you need from your family? That's one I didn't ever have before that I'm going to add now. Like what do you need from your family, right? They're a big support system. And then what do you need for a positive effective community? And you have them get those stickies, Rena, like you were talking about last podcast, and they write them down and they post them up there. And and then you can look at them and then come up with, you know, some themes. And then they've all done it together. And then they can even sign it. I'm a US history teacher. So it actually becomes their constitution that they sign. We've done
1: that. And I you can do that digitally as well so easily now with <laughs> Teachers or students being able to comment on each other and place things in. It's a great strategy.
3: And I don't yep. think there's a age limit on that type of activity because every student wants some kind of ownership in that classroom. When you own it, when it's yours, you value that and you want to protect it, kind of. You want to keep it going. I used to teach um, juniors and seniors speech class, and we would go around the room and every single student had to give a descriptor for what supportiveness meant in that classroom, because in speech, you know, they're terrified. So what does that mean to you? And every student got to hear what every other student needed. And that, that community piece, exactly what you're talking about. It's so powerful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there's another one that you kind of mentioned in your in your uh, answer there about family connections and they get overlooked sometimes, you know, when we're thinking about building relationships and connections, but they can provide really a valuable support system for our students. Do you have any ideas or strategies for how teachers might connect to their families?
0: Yeah, that's so important. I think I think communication right away is key and allowing them to also be stakeholders in the classroom. So we talked the last podcast about student surveys, and I think it's so essential to give parent surveys, and we have to be mindful of their access, some language barriers. So that's important. Um, you can start with a Google form and ask questions about, um, you know, just general questions, and then what do you want your learner to gain from my classroom? What do they need socially? What do they need emotionally? Right? What are your goals for, for that? Um, and then. See what results come in and then you can touch base with those students that have not, their parents haven't responded because a paper one might be better for them or Google Translate. Um, So the survey for sure and then consistent communication. So whether it's a weekly email, right, through the LMS, let them know specifically where that communication is coming, when to expect it. Um, Another one, online conferences. We had such success this year with online conferences because parents don't have to get away from work. They can actually have the conference at work, um, which has been amazing. Um, And then finally, just social media. If, If you have student permissions, um, posting on social media, you can hide their face, but then parents can even see what's going on in your classroom.
1: Yeah. There's, I just think, I love all those ideas. And I remember way back we had my brother on and he was talking about something he was going to take from this, this year was those interviews he did with families before school started. So he set it up 20 minute block. Granted, this is elementary. I know y'all have like 180, but we can, those strategies, but, he had just a 20 minute interview with student and family present before school year. And he said, that was amazing. I know I used to, we had opportunity to do in person. That's not something people can do or probably want to do at this point, but being able to very quickly, as you said, have conference provide that access can be so amazing for families and students and give you so much insight Think about we only meet with families I know is like twice a year, and the insight I could get from 20 minutes, I'm like, that would have helped me so much. And you know, I didn't get it from the paper I sent home or the interview, but that 20 minutes, as we said, later on, can save you hundreds of minutes of time and it really helps students. So I love that idea.
2: Um, I totally agree that providing access to parents are important. But one of the things that we really want to try to as we continue to dig deeper, Is connecting students to learning, right? How do you um, leverage their voice and autonomy to help support them learning, right? You've mentioned a lot about relationships. So what are some of the strategies that you have in leveraging that relationship to increase student learning and engagement?
0: yeah that's those learning outcomes that's one of the big Mm -hmm. goals right they go really hand in hand so you said it um that voice so we had that rhyming the voice and choice allowing and this can be small sometimes i think educators can get scared because it is a you lose a little bit of control when you give the voice and choice starting small and just allowing them to know that they have a stake in the learning it can be like pick two of these four questions i still get a choice or Tell me how much time you think this will take you, and they're thinking, "Oh, you ca- like you're you're really caring about me as an individual learner." It's not just a one size fits all. Um, or choose who you would like to work with or where. So that those are some small things we can graduate to, and then scaffolding up to you know some choice boards, but we don't want to throw. I I say choice boards and I love choice boards and I think you guys have talked about choice boards on here a lot before, but we don't want to just throw a choice board at a student. I think it's so important that we intentionally scaffold. So if we have, for example, tools on a choice board or a learning menu where students can choose that we've intentionally um, adopted the tool and really scaffolded how to use that tool and built them up to getting to the choice.
2: You led into our transition with the tools, right? Part of it is about the toolkit. So it's time to ask, what's in your toolkit?
0: Check it out. Check it out. Check it out.
2: Check it out. out. What's in the toolkit? What is in the toolkit? What's in the toolkit? Check it out. Right. For our toolkit today, um, we really want us to think about, like, are there examples that you can think of in how to create positive learning spaces. Um, Danielle, do you mind starting? What are some of your tools for starting and creating positive learning spaces for students?
0: Yeah. uh, So you say space and what I've discovered over time is I can be in multiple spaces at one Mm. time. Mm -hmm. The value of screencasts, I think educators from around the, globe are just going to continue using this my favorite tool is loom it is loom pro is free for not only educators but students so you can have unlimited video trim clip all those things um but my point is is that by doing a screencast of myself i can be in the classroom working with students live and they can be either watching me or another screencast of someone else, maybe that did it great, and that's gonna work out for that learning objective. And then I can have that individual time, which is gonna result in deeper relationships. And just a quick app smash um, Ed puzzle. I have loved putting screencasts into Edpuzzle, which is a video tool that you can put questions throughout the video because number one, I can see that they watched my video. And then number two, I can check for understanding. So I might be talking for a minute and then I ask them just a quick question. And so that's been a favorite app smash there. Mm
1: -hmm. I, I love all the screencasts. Tools we use, Screencastify, we use Loom. Um, another one, it does screencasting, but it does so much more is WeVideo. Um, it does, there's a free version, and then, there, you know, it's the the freemium, there's the premium ver- version. But I also love the things that students can create using it. You talked about building up to some of those choices, and I love the amazing video. So I've seen students make videos, slideshows, podcasts, um, tutorials, stop motion Lego video green screen um, using we video and much much more and the engagement was like out of this world what the and the collaboration was so great so i just really really like we video i, I think you've used it a lot paul
3: we video is awesome yeah I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a little bit of a side turn here and throw it back to Danielle a little bit, because I think one of the greatest tools we have out there are other teachers that we can connect with and we can get ideas from. And Danielle, I know you've been putting together a website that's got some really great things on it. Could you just tell us a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, it's just been a goal of mine. I feel I can really impact more students than those beyond my four walls. As a staff developer, I've seen the aha moments that happen with teachers. So the website is called tech. EmpoweredTeacher.com, and I'm going to try to put some really meaningful resources out there. And one that I have is called Relationships Before Rigor. So it's 15 ways to build classroom community to celebrate students in person and online. These are things I do in my classroom every year. And I wish I had had this these tools in my toolkit year one.
3: Amazing, so. and we can be so good if we share our ideas like that. So really appreciate you uh, sharing yeah. what you've learned out there on your website. Thank you for doing that. And we're going to transition into our one thing.
1: It's time for that one thing. One thing. One thing. Time for that
3: one thing. It's that one thing. All right, Winston, you get to start today. Um, What is your one thing from our
2: conversation today? I kind of think that I'm breaking the fifth and sixth wall, um, maximize the use of technology. We can be in two places at once, people. I love that idea that we're we magic, record, right, record our, <laughs> right, record ourselves in one area and actually still have time to give ourselves to students in another area. So um, maximizing our technology to support our um, work. I think that's a brilliant idea.
1: And can I just put it out there? Cause I'm going to say some people listening to this are like, oh, that's so much time and energy, but I'm telling you, if you, if you do it, you become very efficient and you actually give yourself more energy and time by doing it. It's like, it's kind of like that thing. Like when kids sleep more, they sleep better. It doesn't, it's like, it doesn't make sense. It's kind of like
3: the teacher version of go slow to go fast, right? It's going to take a little time up front, but then you're going to zip by later because it's all done. Mm -hmm.
1: Sorry, I just want to throw that out because it's it, it might be scary, fun, but actually it's it's amazing and it can save you. Uh, Absolutely. So thanks for sharing that, Winston. Um, so many good points. I'm actually going to go back kind of to the beginning, this idea of these stages of this classroom community building. So starting with low risk. And high comfort, so it's important that we start there and build up to those situations of high risk low comfort because you're not going to get to those really more intense, deep conversations with without building up that comfort first
3: yeah, I was dwelling on that too this the scaffolding idea, and it it works in. In learning and it works in relationships. It works in all of those different things. And if we do build the relationships, it makes it easier to scaffold in some of the other areas because there's some trust there and students know that if something doesn't go right, you've kind of got their back and and you're there to support them. Well, we Danielle, we want to give you a chance to throw your one thing in the ring too. What do you got today?
0: First thing, meet them at the door every period, every day.
3: Perfect. And we are so excited to be meeting you at our virtual door every day. Thank you so much for being on our podcast again. She's going to be back with us again next week. So hope everybody comes Woo. back. Yes. I do need to point out that one of the reasons we love Danielle so much is that she constantly brings a rays of sunlight to our podcast.
1: That's the best he could do, Danielle. <laughs> that was good. That was good. Thanks
3: for brightening up our world.
0: Let's raise a glass to that. Ooh, there we go.
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see you, Danielle. We'll see you next week. And we hope everybody's back to join us.
1: Thanks for listening to Tech Talk for Teachers.
2: We invite you to visit us at avidopenaccess.org, where you can discover resources to support student agency, equity, and academic tenacity to create a classroom for future-ready learners. We'll be back here next Wednesday for a fresh episode
3: of Tech Talk for Teachers.
1: And remember, go forth and be awesome.
0: Thank you for all you do. You make a difference.